Amen. Romans chapter 9. Bible says, I say in truth, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He's got to tell them three times in three different ways. I'm not lying. <laughs> he said the same thing three times in one verse. Now, he says that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, verse 2, that I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. Now, is, is Paul a curse from Christ? He's not. He's not. He's saved. We saw that in Romans 8. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So that would tell me, and that should tell you, that you have to have, his kinsmen according to the flesh is Israel, the Jews. You couldn't read these verses and come up with the idea that the church and Israel are the same. You couldn't. Paul is part of the church. He's not a curse. He wishes, if he could be a curse, that he would be for his brethren's sake, which would by default tell you that there's a group of people that are what? Accursed. Who's that? The nation. What can't the nation be? The church. Why? It's pretty clear out of these verses why. Come on. We got a church, a New Testament church, and we've got a nation of Israel and two will to whom pertaineth, and then there's eight things that are listed. Now, before we get into these eight things that are listed, who do these things pertain to? Israel. Do you see any hint that they pertain to the church? Do you see any hint that somehow they are transferred to the church? There, it's not there. Paul is not going to bring in a kingdom now that is absolutely false and wrongly dividing the word of truth. Christ is going to set up his kingdom and deal with that nation when he is ready. Paul is not. He is a saved Jew who is now in a new body that's been born called the church. Amen. Now, do you know why people want to become Jews? Because people are carnal. And carnal people want carnal things. And every false Christian sect, every false religion, almost to the T, you can mark down, they think that they're Jews. They think that they're part of a nation that they have never been a part of. You know why? Because they want health wealth and prosperity out of a physical kingdom that's what the jews were promised you know what else the jews were promised land that'd be great if the lord would just expand our territory wouldn't it who doesn't want more personal property this health wealth and prosperity gospel that's false is all based upon trying to get the church to think that they're the nation and we are not the nation why do we pray for victory in war? Look, I want it, but that was promised to the nation when they obeyed God. Well, if my people just seek, that was for the nation to seek God. And when they did, they got the victory in war. We are not promised victory in war. We have the victory in Jesus Christ, and he defeated death on the cross for us individually. We are not a nation. We are individual Christians who have been put into a body of Christ. 
You do not want to be in a church that preaches health, wealth, and riches. It's a false church. We are not promised any of those things. We have spiritual health, spiritual rich riches from a God who is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. Paul is concerned about his brethren, and he very clearly in Romans 9 points out, you don't get to go to heaven because you're a Jew. If you see a Jew, you preach the gospel to them. Right now, these promises, though, that we're going to look at all pertain to, verse 4, Israelites to whom pertain. Now, all the way back in Romans 3, the question was asked, what advantage does the Jew have? And we see now this list of the advantages. They were committed unto them the oracles of God. They had an advantage. Why? Because of all the things that they received as a nation. Everything that God has given to the nation of Israel. Before he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and before he died on the cross. Is still in effect to come to pass. After the cross, what he gave to Israel before the cross is still for Israel after the cross. It's not for us as New Testament Christians. And here are the eight privileges. Number one, the adoption. These eight privileges was for the nation of Israel, no other nation. And as a nation, they were called God's son. God's son. When God God told Moses, when he was in Egypt, he told Moses to tell Pharaoh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. In Numbers 23, God told them to dwell alone. He told that nation to dwell alone because he did not want them to mix or be anything like the other heathen nations. So he said, you dwell alone. I have adopted you. You are you are mine. He calls them in Deuteronomy 7 a, a holy people. He chose them to himself to be a special called out group of people on the earth. In Deuteronomy 14, he says, you are the children of the Lord your God. That's in reference to Israel. In Amos 3, he says, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Israel is a nation. I know you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not our adoption. That pertains to the nation. We have a spiritual adoption as Christians. We went through that in Romans 8, right? We have the spirit of adoption, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. It is individual in scope, not national in scope. Dad gets saved, that doesn't mean his household gets saved. Now, it's likely, because the leader now will minister and disciple and preach to his family. We see that, right? But just because someone in the church, in the local church house gets saved, that doesn't mean we all are saved. It's an individual thing, our spirit of adoption, that isn't even complete yet. 
We looked at that in Romans 8, right? To wit, the adoption of the body. That's going to happen. That's going to be complete. Our redemption. The next thing we see, not only the adoption, but we see the glory. The glory. Go to Exodus 13, if you would, please. Exodus 13. We'll get verse number 21. Exodus 13. Verse number 21. Watch what they had to lead them through the wilderness. And the Lord went before them. That's the nation. That's, the, that's Israel. By day. In a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. And by night. In a pillar of fire to give them light. To go by night and day. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day. Nor the pillar of fire by night. From before the people. God's glory was with them as he led them through the wilderness. We are not going to get that. You know what we have? A more sure word of prophecy. That's going to guide us. That's going to lead us. That Holy Spirit that we have indwelt in us. We have a Holy Spirit within us. That is going to be what guides us as individual Christians. This is not, we are not getting this glory that was for the nation. In Exodus chapter 25, let's go there. Exodus 25. In verse number 15, Exodus 25, verse number 15. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. What was that cloud? Verse 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain the eyes of the church nope in the eyes of the children of Israel you can go up on the highest mountain peak here in Tennessee that is not going to be happening to you or I. This was for the children of Israel. That pertaineth to them. Go to Exodus oh, 25. Exodus 25. Look at verse 8. It wasn't just on Mount Sinai. Verse number 8 of Exodus 25 says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That's God's glory. His real presence. Look at verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee. That's his glory. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony. Of all things which I give thee. Thee, thee, that nation, in commandment unto, again, here it is, the children of Israel. His real presence, that was for the children of Israel. Go to Exodus 40. Exodus 40. Let's 
verse number 34. Exodus 40, verse number 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We have two or three gathered, and if we gather in the Lord's name, he is in the midst of us. You know why? Because you've got something indwelt in you. And I've got something indwelt in me. It's called the Holy Spirit. And we meet his name. He's with us. It don't matter. You don't need 200 or 300. You just need two or three. Hallelujah. And Moses, verse number 35, was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wouldn't you have loved to be there? There's just some passages in Scripture where you would just love to be there. The glory of the Lord. For the children of Israel, praise the Lord. And one more thing I'd like to look at. Go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter number five. This is concerning God's glory that pertaineth to Israel. Second Chronicles five. This is at the dedication of Solomon's temple. And in Second Chronicles chapter number five, towards the end, verse number 13. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking their Lord. Of the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the lords of the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. I'd love, I would have loved to have been there too. <laughs> that was a privilege given to that nation. No other nation could enjoy that. What a time. What a time. As New Testament Christians, you know what we're told to not do? To not glory in the flesh. You know what Paul said he would glory in? His infirmities. For Christ's sake. You know who we are told to, if we're going to glory, we are told to glory in who? The Lord. Go to Romans chapter. Go to Romans chapter number six. Romans six. Look at verse number four, Romans six, verse four. Bible says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. By the glory of the father. That's the glory you can share. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. How in the world can you and I walk in newness of life as Christians? Because the glory of the Father, it's as the same. Do you realize you've been raised from the dead? Hallelujah. Praise God. He's going to change our vile body. And guess what it's going to be fashioned like? Unto 
his glorious body, Philippians 3. That redemption of the body we talked about earlier concerning our adoption is going to be connected with some glory. The body is going to be glorified. Don't in dishonor. It's going to be raised. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians? It's going to be raised in glory. Praise the Lord. Next you have is the covenants. Covenants. That was given to the nation. You had the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant. None of it was given to us. There is also, there is also a new covenant with Israel, stay with me, that will be in the future. There's a new covenant with that nation. I want to show you this so we can get this rightly divided out. Go to Jeremiah 31. We're going to need three passages. Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. I want this thought to really stick in our heads this morning. Okay, Hebrews 8. We need Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. We'll do Jeremiah 31 first. Jeremiah 31, then we'll do Ezekiel 36. Uh, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. All right, I'll trust everybody has their spots. Sometimes I go too fast. I'm just trying to stop holding parts. I don't just run over anybody. Jeremiah 31. Watch what it says, because I want everybody to get this. Verse 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. Watch it says. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make what? A new covenant with who? With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the what? House of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Newsflash. Don't listen to the news. That's not happening now. That is going to happen. Always filter your news media through the word of God. Don't flip it the other way, where you come up with all sorts of bestsellers that end up on Barnes and Noble bookshelves that shouldn't be there. Everybody see what that, that, prophet, that prophet said? There's going to be a new covenant for that house. Now, I know I asked you to go to Ezekiel. We're going to do that last. Go to Hebrews 8, because it's going to fit better, I believe. Hebrews 8, verse number 8. Watch this. Hebrews 8, verse number 8. Watch what it says. For finding fault with them. Who's that going to be? Well, let's find out. He saith, that's the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel 
and with the house of Judah. What does that sound like? That sounds like a cross-reference to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, doesn't it? That certainly sounds like it to me. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Look at verse 9. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continued not my covenant, I regard them not, saith the Lord. Watch what he says. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord. My law is mine, my hearts, and I'll be to them, and they shall be to me a people. Except they're not a people for them right now. That law, that, that mind, their heart, them becoming his people again. It's going to come to pass. And it says, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. There's going to come a time when he is not going to remember their sins and iniquities. Well, when's that going to happen? Go to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. Look at verse 24. Ezekiel 36. Verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your land then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. That's the nation. How come it's not us? Because you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's why you can't borrow a promise to Israel and give it to the church. Because if you do, you would be saying that Christ's blood cannot wash you clean. Have you, have you trusted Christ? You are washed clean. But that nation, that's us individually, but that nation nationally has not been washed clean. They haven't. So it says, verse 26, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit. Does any individual Christian need a new heart and a new spirit? They've already received it when they trusted Christ. I will put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people. And I will be your God. You know when that's going to happen? When Christ sets up his millennial kingdom. Then all of that will come to pass. They look upon him and they have pierced. Christ comes back. Here he is. He sets up his millennial kingdom. And now. Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8, Ezekiel 36 is all fulfilled. He's going to deal with that nation. Mark it down. We have an individual promise of forgiveness of sins. 
It says, this cup, Jesus said, is the New Testament in my blood, which I shed for you. We are part of a New Testament church as a body, and we have a head. We aren't part of a nation that has a promised king. We are going to come back with the king. He's coming with his saints to rule and reign. That's prophetically how that's going to work. That's going to work out. And in Romans 9, uh, we also have the law. That's God's written law. That was the advantage that the Jews had. Under them were given the, written the oracles of God. No other nation was given. No other nation had anything written to them directly from God. Every writer of the Bible is Jewish. Except Luke, there's some debate about that. But you had you had a special line of communication with the Lord if you were part of that nation. Now they received messages about other nations, but those other nations didn't get direct messages from God. Egypt was warned by Moses. Nineveh was warned by Jonah. But they got the message because God's prophet got the message and brought it to them. They had the direct line. The other nations didn't have the direct line. The law for us now is just a schoolmaster. You want to show somebody that they're a sinner? Show them that they can't keep the law. Okay, so that's that's for the for the nation. But the next thing they had was the service. All through Exodus, all through Leviticus, that people group received instructions on how to be a special, peculiar group of people. And it wasn't weird. It was what it was to worship God. That tabernacle service was specific. It was an outward form of worship. It was a specific way, a specific form of worship. Now, we were in Ezekiel. The last nine chapters of Ezekiel is millennial kingdom material. So just know that. Anytime somebody takes you to Ezekiel 9, the last nine chapters of Ezekiel, you've got to know. Those last chapters, those, those chapters of 40, 41, 42, 42, they're all dealing with that tabernacle service and worship being reinstated when? In the millennial kingdom. You've got to get that doctrinally so you don't get mixed up with, well, is this for Israel or me or what time is this going to happen? It's all going to happen in the millennial kingdom. That service is going to come back for that nation. Now go to Galatians 4. Why isn't that for us? Galatians 4. Verse number 8, Galatians 4, verse 8. The Bible says in Galatians 4, verse number 8. How be it then, when you knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements Whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? 
We don't have a form, an outward form of worship. It's in spirit and in truth. Make sense? It says in verse number 10, he observed days. Who did that? The Jews. Why? It was an outward form of worship. And months and times and years. Why would you do that? Well, because you're a Jew and you're used to doing that. There is none of that now. It's let's worship him in spirit and in truth. There is no outward form. Go to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Bible says in verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3. 17. Now the Lord. Is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. Do you have the spirit of the Lord this morning? Guess what should be there by default? Liberty. Liberty. But we all with open face beholding as a glass and the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. I am not going to make you free. The son will make you free. I am not going to make you free. You can't make me free. The spirit of the Lord has to do. This whole liberty thing has gotten messed up. Are you in Christ? Do you have the indwelled Holy Spirit? You have the Spirit of the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay. There is freedom within the bounds of that. You want to go outside of that, you don't give yourself liberty. <laughs> where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You don't come outside of that and get into sin and say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm saved by grace. I have liberty. The liberty is based on the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord isn't in Father Tom's pub. The spirit of the Lord isn't on the top 40 list of songs. The spirit of the Lord is not in that. Young ladies, this fashion world and this music world and this Hollywood world and this all of that. That is not where the Spirit of the Lord is. This is why so many young people get talked into listening and watching and dressing and acting and thinking. Because they got a spirit from that world. The Spirit of the Lord isn't there. Young people, you're getting this. You got liberty. The Lord's in now, you step out of that, you want to just say, well, liberty, liberty, you actually stepped out into slavery and bondage. Liberty includes a spirit of safety and a spirit that says you are free to live like a Christian. Liberty isn't I'm free to do what I want and live like a heathen. You just put yourself back in slavery. Why would you go back into bondage of dirty movies, awful music, drinking, drugging, chewing tobacco, and whatever other vice, anger? Why would you go back into having the control of any of those vices when you can be in the spirit of liberty and have the Holy Spirit control? We getting this? This is so key. 
if you keep my if you love me, keep my commandments. Wife makes the honey-do list up. They're coming tomorrow. Monday's usually the day that they all write. Right? Honey-do list. They're all written. And the wife says, Honey, can you get these things done for me? The husband goes like that. Ah, do it yourself. I've got liberty. You think I'm lying? That happens all across America. If you love me, won't you just go get these few things for me at Walmart, the place that you hate to go? Yeah, I'll go to the place that I hate to go for you because I love you. Husband, that's liberty. Because the spirit of the Lord is in that. And out of love, you are going to do that. You can do the same behavior and it's out of spirit of, oh, I just, okay, well, I have to comply. I guess I'll comply. That is not liberty. You just put yourself back in bondage. All right. Onward. Promises all throughout the Old Testament that pertaineth to Israel. Came in the forms of dreams, prophecies, and in Romans 15, let's look at that. We start to wind down. Romans 15. Romans 15. Ladies, all that stuff. You got to think about that later. We're still in preaching. So you got to put that list on hold. Romans 15, verse number 8. Romans 15, verse number 8. Bible says, now I say... That Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this call, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. You know what happened? It came to the Gentiles second. The Jews were first and then it came to the Gentiles second. Lastly, lastly, the seventh thing that pertaineth to Israel, we're going to look at the eighth because we're going to save a whole message just for Christ at two o'clock this afternoon. But the last one we're going to talk about are the fathers. God associates himself with that nation by saying he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as we start to unpack Romans 9, that's going to come back. So we're just going to mention it now when it comes pertaining to the fathers. Those fathers are then termed in the Old Testament, the fathers of the children of Israel. You and I are told by Jesus to call no man father. That's very clear. Bible says, uh, well, let's go to Matthew 23 because that's it. Uh, that's a good verse to look at. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse number 8. Bible says, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, 
You're not to call any man rabbi. You're not to sign up for martial art lessons and call the instructor master. That happens all over this world. Nobody's your master. You don't call you don't call someone rabbi. You don't call somebody master. Even Christ, and you're all brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. I've got an earthly father, and I've got one spiritual father. I don't call any priest father. Why? Because Jesus said, don't do it. Instead, neither be called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Verse 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. I think we can all do well to just say, just call me a servant. Where can I serve? How can I help? Parents teach us to their children. We're, we're teaching this as parents to our children. Let's try to reframe our thinking. Let's try to come into a situation and ask, how can I help? How can I serve? Just be a servant. People say, well, they call Guy comes in, he's got a white collar on. Well, here, here's Reverend so-and-so. I'm not calling anybody. Reverend. Psalm 111 verse 9 says, Holy and Reverend is his name. I don't care that the modern versions change it and take it out. I'm not calling anybody rabbi. I'm not calling anybody master. I'm not calling anybody holy father. And I'm not calling anybody reverend. What's your first name? Reverend Billy. I'm not calling you Reverend Billy. That is reserved for God. We love to beat up on the Roman Catholics. Well, Holy Father this and Holy Father that. We need to beat up on ourselves. We do a lot of stuff that we ought not. God's name is holy and reverend. He is the master. He is the father. That is who those titles are reserved for. I don't even like saying that is awesome. I am in all of thy word. We are in all of God. I don't even like saying anything's awesome. Dear Brother Jimmy, you're over the top. I'd rather be over the top than mistakenly do something irreverent in front of the Lord. His name is absolutely holy. Let's be careful. Lastly, We talked about that spirit of adoption that we have. We touched on this a few minutes ago. As a believer, that allows us to go before the Lord and cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You have a need this morning. You need some help in a matter. You have the spirit of adoption. Just cry out to him, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, it's in your heart you can cry, Abba. Father. 